one of the challenges that beside attracting, of course, the new talent, uh, what a lot of companies are struggling with, and it could be more of generic issue as well. I mean, not just the pre-con, but overall um, holding on to that talent. Because um, yeah. especially with the millennials, they like to feel like they are creating an impact. And if they don't feel that way, then they just move on to a different job. Um, so their patience level is a little bit, a lot lower than compared to like, you know, previous generations. Yeah. Um, and that's why the leadership role becomes even more vital now that you got to have to provide that uh, set of leadership in order to keep those people engaged and make them feel like that they, they are creating an impact. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of time, uh, a lot of organizations, just because they're still used to the the old systems, the way they are promoting people from position to another position. And sometimes there's a lot of gap between one position to the other one. So they wait for three years, five years. And that's not how the newer generation is, you know, wired. They like to see their growth happening in the, in intervals of like a year, two year, three year type of a, uh, time frame. Yeah. And if they don't see it, then that feels like they are stuck somewhere and they, they, they like to change the organization and uh, it's, it's tough, you know, um, especially with the new, new, new generation. Welcome to Precon Geeks, your home for everything pre-construction. I'm your host, John Reich, and this week I am joined by Tamor Khan. Tamor is uh, in the pre-construction group at Satterfield and Pontiquez and He's uh, been a pre-construction leader and innovator uh, for many years, uh, working with us at Vectech and, and a lot of other companies as well. And uh, he's also, which I think is pretty interesting, an adjunct professor at uh, the University of Houston. Um, and I think that is going to be really fruitful because today we want to talk about um, growing young people and retention of young people. Uh, so hopefully Tamor will be able to bring a lot to that conversation. So welcome to the podcast, Tamor. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for uh, inviting me to this podcast. I, I was pretty excited about it and uh, happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, it's uh, it was interesting because uh, I know at our Precon World event, you spoke uh, specifically about this topic and I thought it was very interesting and a really good uh, conversation there. I figured we might as well have you on here to kind of go a little bit further with it and see what else you have. Um, so in your role, um, you're trying to grow and develop a pre-con team and develop a pre-con mindset. Uh, what do you think is like the biggest uh, roadblock you're facing in terms of bringing young people into our field of pre-construction and construction in general? Yeah, so the, the two challenges that I'm uh, dealing with is one is an old school mindset and then is a young school mindset. And there's a big gap that I'm trying to close between those old school mindset and the newer generation mindset. And in order to do so, basically, I have to lead in more in a 360 manner. So basically, I have to coach not only <laughs> my younger, lot of estimating uh, professionals, but also how I can uh, provide guidance to uh, my my management who are more used to old ways of doing things because right. it's, it's really hard to uh, change 
the mindsets one people have seen success with those ways of doing things for 10 20 30 years and they say you know what always worked uh, but always work doesn't mean that that's the best way um, and and that's why we need innovation and innovation basically is trying something new and sometimes you fail you know and yeah. you have to have that freedom to fail type of mentality so that way you can try new things and then find a better way of uh, doing certain things the way we've been doing um, so it, it's it's been a struggle uh, because uh, you know, I get a pushback from, you know, from the top management um, and specific, specifically my company, um, they, they're most of their revenue, uh, I would say 70% comes from hard bids, which is more based on the numbers, not really based on a process. Um, but they're trying to get more into the negotiated work, which is more CM at risk type of project right. where you get a chance to really collaborate with the design teams and the owner and this which allows you to build that trust uh, with your uh, stakeholders and then you get repeat work so you don't have to really chase work all the time and you get more uh, repeat work through that trust uh, but in order to do so you have to have a really uh, robust uh, pre-construction process management system where right. you can create that collaborative environment, the transparency that the owners are expecting and the information that is readily available for them to make some vital decisions during that process. Um, and also uh, spe specifically working with the design teams because a lot of times I have noticed that it becomes more like everybody's trying to protect themselves instead of really in the total interest of the project and right. for me it's very important that i try to create that collaboration with the owner and the design team that we work towards the same goal it's a win-win situation for everybody you know it's not yeah, right it should be it should yeah, be a win-win yeah, yeah yeah but typically it's easier than that it's easier than said basically then when we get into actual process that's where people try to get defensive um but for me to promote that transparency and collaboration is very important that we feel like we are all acting as a team um in the newer generation um of course they're not used to uh, uh get these type of uh working environments because they somehow when they start working they are either more busier in doing takeoffs or collecting numbers from the subcontractor so they really don't get a chance to uh, utilize their uh, people skills or human skills um, and that's why they lack those skills and they're shy they they're not really uh, you know confident when in in terms of presenting the information or really solving the problems in a collaborative environment so I try to coach them on human skills um, right because technical skills usually are comparatively easier uh, but human skills, because this is where a lot of people struggle, because you have to really, uh, you know, really mold your personality in a different way, you know, to work with other people, you know, uh, who yeah. have a completely different personality. Yeah, I do. I do find it uh, interesting, though. I do. Um, I probably have seen a little bit different than you in that. To me, our our young people coming out they are much more willing to be collaborative at 
right off yeah. the bat. And essentially, we have trained them out of that for the past 20, 30 years of, hey, you don't talk to the architects because, you know, those those guys are trying to screw you over or whatever it is. And um, reversing that kind of course to, hey, hey, we want to collaborate with these people there. They can be your best friend and biggest supporter if you're working with them. Yeah, um, I think that's that's the big mindset shift that I've seen is. Um, the young people come in and they're ready to collaborate. They want to, and it's just, uh, yeah, I, I've seen it more as a upper management that's less willing to do that collaboration. Yeah, and, and the reason uh, is because the fear factor. They, the, the upper management feels like they they cannot allow a younger guy to be in that environment because if, what if they say something that can be used against them, right, or a company? Right. Uh, but that's why the freedom to fail is so important. That takes away that fear factor and you can be yourself. And then basically that that's the external confidence uh, that comes from the top management that these younger uh, generation need. And they're very smart, actually. Uh, they they know how to you know solve problems, but all they need is just a little bit of a push um, yeah. and a confidence from the top management. And then, you know, they, I, I have seen uh, younger generation um, in, in much more flexible and they think out of the box. Um, they're always looking for new ways to get better, but they need that environment. That's why the environment is the key in this whole process. You know, if you don't provide that environment, this is where people start getting frustrated. Yeah, and I, I think it was interesting your point earlier about always looking to innovate and, and push forward yeah. and just because it's worked forever. I mean, I, I know everyone has probably heard these stories before, but you can look at like Kodak and Blockbuster mm -hmm. and Nokia. Like yep. those are all companies that were giants at one point. Yep. And then they were like, hey, we're not going to change because this is working great. No one's ever going to come yep. off of this. And now where are they today? They're they're not yep. anywhere close to the same level of success. And probably, you know, I think Blockbuster is not even around anymore. I think the others might be, but Blackberry they had the, the opportunity. Phones. Was it? <laughs> Blackberry phones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they had the opportunity. They had everything just set up for them perfectly. And all they had to do was just say, adapt a novel idea and go in a different direction, even if it was just experimental. Like yep. they had the resources to experiment and do different things. And rather than do that and leverage that for even greater capacity in the future, they just chose to continue doing what they were doing. And then that in the long run ended up hurting them. So I think that's. That's those are the kind of stories I like to look at because anytime, especially in the construction industry, if, if you're looking at, well, why do we need to change? Because this is just how we've always done it. Well, we got some prime examples right here. And that's why that's why you need to always be pushing that envelope and yeah. changing in some way and finding yeah. some efficiency. Exactly. And yeah, you I need definitely to learn how to get uh, comfortable to get uncomfortable. Yeah, you have to yeah be a little bit. Yeah, if, you, if you're sitting back and you're just like, yeah, I know exactly what I'm doing, then you're probably in the wrong spot. Like you need yep. to find something to, to push you in that out of your comfort zone there. Yeah. Um, so I do. Uh, you said that young people coming in are just um, they have they know how to solve problems, but they're lacking some of the technical knowledge and some of the like rules of thumb that the old uh, old estimators like us probably have is, you know, we know how much stuff is supposed to cost and yeah. how much it has cost. Do you have a way that do you have a strategy or a way that you pass that information on? Or is there I mean, 
it's it because that's the hardest thing is just to build that knowledge base up. Do you have a, a something that you specifically do that you think is really interesting? Yeah, um, I'd uh, call it um, basically a collaboration between your not I would say old estimators, but the the experience. You can say we're old. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we are. Then I, I, then right. I, I will make myself sound old as well, but uh, <laughs> but it's it's about sharing and we need to promote that culture of sharing information and create some sort of uh, appreciation or uh, recognize recognition for that behavior because when you're trying to promote certain behaviors in your organization you need to start recognizing it more often uh, and that will be one of them will be sharing so if the experienced estimators share their experience with the younger estimators and help them get developed to the next level. Uh, that will not only help the younger generation, of course, get up to the speed quickly, but also take off that load from the senior estimators. Because if you do not train people, then you're going to be doing more of the, the hard lifting. So why can't you just teach people how to fish instead of, you know, keep fishing <laughs> yeah. so so that that takes off your load and you can do more and maybe uh, learn something new that you can share again back with your uh, newer generation but the, the the leadership mentality is very important where you don't feel threatened by somebody taking over your job or your position uh if i were if i if i'm a ceo of a company and I have to promote leadership in my company. And the way I would promote people is not just based on their individual performance, but I would tell them that if you want to get promoted, you need to get me three people ready who can take over your job. And then I promote you because that that's how I can start creating a, a, a cycle of, you know, how I can develop people rapidly. Yeah. Uh, it's a chain and that's a behavior basically the, the whole uh, culture that you can create in your organization where people are really taking that initiative and really passionate about growing other people and as people are growing you know you have a better organization you know yeah yeah i mean that's that's the hardest part is giving people that avenue to continually grow um and i know uh, be, before we we came on before we started recording um you you were talking a lot about the, um, for lack of a better term, I don't want to make this sound negative, but it's going to sound a little negative. The the lack of patience that the younger mm -hmm. generation has uh, with with waiting for those growth opportunities. Um, what do you feel are good strategies to to help deal with that? As uh, you know, a manager and you have a team, mm -hmm. you want to balance the giving them growth opportunities. But you also don't want to, you, know, you can't just endlessly promote people every year. That's just, that's not a tenable solution either. So yes. how do you balance the um, growth mindset that our younger generation has, which is awesome. We want we want to foster that with the, there's limits to that growth in some way. Yeah. Uh, let's just take a step back and let's look at some of those factors that caused that uh, issue first before we try to resolve the, the problem because we have to have the understanding what's causing it, right? Um, 
And if if you look at it, uh, what we call this generation or millennials, uh, they grew up in times where whatever they wanted, they got it easily. Like from, and it comes from parenting. Like they were not really uh, like our parents. If you if you remember, we had to really uh, struggle hard to get a, even a toy, right? Um, and it and that toy we will remember it for years because it was. <laughs> It was something that we got after a lot of negotiation and everything. And even yeah. if you would get any new shoes or clothes, I mean, it it was something that you would ask many times and you will get it. But the, the millennials, they were fortunate uh, in a way that whatever they wanted, they got it faster. And that's what started creating a mentality of even with the grades and, the you know, a lot of uh, kids even won trophies for not even even coming last in the race. Right. Yeah. So everybody got a trophy. So all that type of stuff that started creating that men men mentality and the technology, you know, with a little click, you can order something or get something next day. So everything is just so fast on your fingertips. So when when you have certain types of uh, uh, you know everyday behaviors that drives your overall personality, then you get into a mode where you want things faster or or to move faster. Yeah. And the in instant one gratification way, it, mindset. Yeah. yeah. So in one way it's good because they learn things faster, but other way they're emotionally a little bit more weaker comparatively to the other. Um, uh, previous generations because they don't know how to control their emotions and nobody teach them in the school what emotional intelligence is and how you can control and really channelize your emotions in more positive way comparatively into negative way. So you, you cannot really suppress your emotions. You have to channelize it. So right. how you utilize, because most of our 70% of our uh, decisions that we make every day are emotion-based. Uh, so that's why emotions play an important role. That's why emotion intelligence um, is very important. And I believe that it should be a, a compulsory subject in, in every uh, major that they need to teach them. So once they have that, uh, they understand, okay, let's say if I'm feeling this way, what do I need to do? And the leaders really need to respond in this situation where they need to sit down with these younger folks. And when we have a, let we call it a yearly review or a performance review, this is where they need to start setting up some goals. And yeah. when you set up some goals and say, you know what, this is uh, this is something that if you achieve, you get here. If you get you achieve these 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 things, you get there. So you give them a a success plan. Uh, what what is missing in most of the organizations? We just hope. We just say, you know what? Uh, you just come to work and work hard and hope something will happen, right? Yeah. Hope is not a strategy. So you need to have a more strategic growth plan for every individual, and you need to sit down with them and see where their heart is, where their passion is. We expect everybody to operate exactly the same way, and that's not how it works. You know, even in our pre-construction, uh, you know, like at Beck Technology, mm -hmm. you have folks that are really good at sales. Uh, some people, even they're working in a maybe in the software development, but they're still really good with the sales. Uh, some people yeah. are maybe uh, really good with the uh, presentations. Uh, some people are more uh, 
are passionate about public speaking. So everybody has their strengths. So you need to know what each person's strengths are, and then you help them grow in their strength areas. We just try to clone everybody into just one type of a estimator, right? Yeah. That's not how it works. And uh, we just need to do a better job of understanding our team uh, members' strengths and weaknesses. And instead of poking them on their weaknesses, help them grow in their strength areas. That yeah, will actually better results. I actually, I, I, and that, that I really identify with that because uh, I don't know if have you ever done the like. There's a million personality profiles out there, but if you do like a, a strengths finder profile yeah. or something like that, and you can find the things that you know that energize you, that you find uh, exciting, you want to do all the time. Yeah. And I've always kind of been of the mindset of. If I find something that person's good at, I don't care what their job description is. If they're good at this, let's grow them. Like, let's really make sure they get more of that. And if, uh, so like if, as an estimator, if if they just don't get a lot of energy, they don't enjoy doing takeoff, yes, they need to learn how to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone needs to learn how these things work. But if that's not something that they enjoy doing, then let's try to de-accentuate that. And let's yeah. accentuate, hey, they really like going to the architect office and sit down with them and walk through the project. All right. Well, every project, let's try to find an opportunity for them to do that. And then you have some people, they just they just want to sit there and crunch numbers and run their takeoff and do all that. Well, that's great. Let's yeah. let's give them more of that. And they're happy. And this person's happy. And they're both adding value to the team because they're doing necessary tasks. But rather than make everyone the jack of all trades that has to do all of it. Let's just play to the strengths of the team we have and and really make sure that they do that more than they do anything else. I, I yeah. really have. I love that mindset. And uh, I luckily was recipient of that with some of my managers. And um, it, it can lead to a lot more growth over time That because you're going to want to go to work and you're going to yeah. want to do a good job. And yeah. if you're stuck doing stuff you don't like, you're not not as likely to do as good at it. I mean, that's just yeah. how it works. And, and, and the the other thing is that the organizations or the successful organizations have better teams. So <laughs> we have to build stronger teams, not just strong individuals. And that's why you need people with different strengths in order to build a, a strong team, because everybody right. can really complement each other's weaknesses with their strengths. And that's yeah. how you work together and basically build something amazing. If everybody has the same strengths, <laughs> then how would you build a team that will be able to complement each other's with weaknesses, right? So yeah. th that's not how it works. Yeah, it's like, I mean, if you're looking at, and I think the way you put that, you said great organizations have great teams. Yeah. I think it's, I think that needs to be flipped. I think yeah. great teams make the organization great. And that's yeah. usually how that works. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can put it into a sports analogy. If, if you put a basketball team together and you've got, you know, Shaquille O'Neal was one of the greatest centers ever. Yeah. You put five Shaquille O'Neals on the court, they're going to lose. And they're going to exactly. get smoked. Yeah. Because they don't have anyone that can handle the ball, bring it up. They, everyone has a role and yeah. you have everyone play their role to the best of their ability. Yeah. Then they're going to be super successful. And he won a bunch of titles because of that. And exactly. Um, he didn't try to change who he was. He, he, the team changed around him because of his yeah. skills. And I think that we need to do the same thing. We need to look at it the same way in pre-con. Yeah. That if if we have someone that um, 
that really likes going and working with the architecture really presents well well let's you know let's make sure they're in front of the owner as much as possible and then someone who's you know really going to get in the details know the specs backwards and forwards okay that's they've got a strength there and you just put them together and they should you know that's where you can really get some some real traction absolutely yeah. one other thing that i have tried and it worked really well i try to rotate leading roles in the team yeah. So if on one project there's like five people working and one guy who's the lead estimator, next time I change that role and bring the other guy in the spotlight, he becomes the leader and the other people are assisting. So that way, that brings that whole cycle of not only you're building strong teams, but also building more leaders. Yeah, and you have different approaches on each job yeah. and uh, everyone can learn from it. So yeah. like, you know, someone like, hey, the, the way they ran their kickoff meeting, this was really good. I felt this was really fruitful. Now I'm going to start yeah. running my kickoff meetings that way. And yeah, I think that's that's a big deal. To me, though, how do you handle that? And this this will be the last question before we wrap up. When you're changing leadership in that way, uh, and I think that's immensely valuable, have you had issues with more senior members of the staff saying like, hey, I'm not going to report to that guy. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a senior estimator and he's just an estimator or pre-con manager or whatever it is um how have you have you run into that and is that how do you handle that with your teams yeah so the the difference between leadership and the management is leadership is more selfless this is where it's not about you anymore it's more about other people and not everybody leadership is not for everybody right so right. some people uh really don't like to give give away that sort of uh a, you know authority to other people but that's why the it, it takes a little bit time for people to understand what leadership means and how it can really benefit the overall organization and the team you need you, you can't have selfish team players or not it's not, not going to be a team player anymore but it's if it's selfish um but selfless mentality if once you promote that then people really don't worry about you know what their positions are i have worked in on projects where uh you know if, if i was leading a project and then if you know any of my team members and tell them next time you're going to be the lead and i will be assisting you even Maybe they are reporting to me or I'm their boss, but I want to make them feel like that I'm here to help them. I'm here to grow them, you know, and that's why these people respond really well, because it's not about you anymore. It's about them. And when you make it about them, they try to exceed your expectations. Yeah. And it, 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 that's why it's, you know, it's, it's very important that you have the people who on your team are really very likely minded people. And once they understand how powerful the sharing is, how powerful that helping each other is, then they're always, uh, typically a lot of people, I mean, I would say 70 to 80% people that I have worked with, they have that mentality, but nobody, you know, brought them into that environment. Yeah. So it, it's all about creating that environment where people don't feel threatened by each other. And it's all about helping each other. And if I help this person, he's going to help me. And that's basically how we work together and we grow. Um, we are, as a as a human, we are dependent on other people. And if we don't realize that 
then we, we we always struggle in our even or in our careers because we always need other people help and before you ask for a hand you need to give your hand right so yeah yeah that that's that's a really good way to put it is yeah, yeah. um if you want to receive help you've got to be yeah. giving it you've got to be willing to give it you've got to give it regularly so yeah well thank you very much Tamor. that was i really enjoyed this conversation I'm glad you were able to come on appreciate and, uh, it we'll, we'll definitely have you back to uh continue talking about this because i don't think this is a uh this is not a one and done hey we solved all the problems because <laughs> it's it's still out there but yeah uh, so thank you for no, coming on. really appreciate yep. it looking forward to more all right uh, yeah, and so anyone else that's listening, if you want to be on the podcast or you would like to give us a topic to discuss on the podcast, you can email us at precongeek at beck-technology.com. And again, always go to our website and check out our new blog posts. Suzanne's always posting good stuff there. And you can always go to our community pages there and uh, post additional topics for the for the podcast as well. And that's all at www.beck-technology.com. Well, again, thank you, Tamor. It's been a pleasure having you on, and uh, we will catch you guys all on the next podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. Take care.